Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 30, Booyah! Welcome to the RunFit365.com podcast, episode 30. I'm Travis. Hey, this is Dan. Dan, how's it going? It's going well. Can you believe this is number 30? Yeah, it's my it's my age, minus <laughs> a few years. Yeah, right. Um, I think we say that at every, well, I say we, it's always me, um, that say, you know, can you believe it's 30, can you believe it's 20, but um, these things have been really positive, people seem to like them, and we're going to keep doing it, as long as people give us good feedback. I think it's fun. I, I listen to some. I don't listen to every single one anymore. But when I do listen to them, I think I don't know why people like it so much. But at the same rate, I, I'm glad people do like it. So yeah. good stuff. So in episode thirty, um, kind of where we're located here in the Midwest of the United States, um, every year it almost seems like this, and I don't know why. I know it doesn't happen this way, but it almost seems like we go from the dead of winter running with multiple layers on. And then it's like you're running in a tank top and shorts. I know it doesn't happen that way, but boy, it just hit me this weekend when we were out on a run. And it's that time of the year, too, where the parks and, um, you know, kind of wreck doesn't have the water fountains turned on. So you're kind of out there in the heat um, without any water stops. So um, I think you've done some research on how to make that transition and things to think of. Um, I hope I got that right. Yeah, pretty much, and the focus is really going to be on um, hydration, and that's because, you know, like you said, in the Midwest, it went from about 50 degrees to about 85 in about a week, and it seems to be staying, so, um, you know, what are the things that are important to to keep in your mind when you're running um, from a hydration perspective, so that's, yeah. that's what we'll talk about. Yeah, you said you're a realist. You said... 55 to 80, but trust me, it felt like we went from 20 to like 100. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel that way. That's yeah. true. Yeah. And before we forget, um, I forgot to mention this last week um, that uh, it is getting closer to summer. We get longer hours, and um, it, it gets really hard on Sunday nights to record these things. So uh, if you haven't noticed already, we're uh, releasing these on Mondays now. And uh, that's simply because it's hard to find the time and uh, with busy weekends. So hope hope that's cool with everybody, but uh, just a little explanation in case you're wondering. Yeah, that's a good good um, catch, Dan. And if anyone's got tips for how to get your uh, kiddos in bed when the sun's up, just drop that <laughs> to us at support at runfit365.com. This is a family-oriented podcast. So. <laughs> That's right. Maybe we could start a support group for all of us that are struggling with that. That's right. So let's jump in a little bit to hydration. Um, and we've talked about hydration in the past, and there's really not a, a wrong time to focus on hydration. It should be a focus year-round. But it's particularly uh, up front and center as we come into the hot months uh, because our sweat rates go up and, you know, it makes it difficult to keep that balance. So um, let's talk a little bit about why it's important. What are the dangers of um, not keeping in balance? There's really kind of 
this is a little bit basic, but kind of two sides of that. There's the side where you have too little fluid in your bloodstream, and that's dehydration. And that's caused by losing fluids at a greater rate than you're replacing your fluids. It's real simple. Um, it occurs a lot in warmer, hot, hot or warm conditions, high humid conditions, um, in uh, training or racing that lasts hours, not just minutes, but especially in hours. And then um, in your moderate and high intensity training, it can happen at any level really, but those are your sort of typical. On the other side of the equation is where, uh, so that was dehydration, too little fluid, and then hyponatremia, which is basically where you have too much fluid for the level of sodium you have. So sodium is really important to um, retain fluid in your body versus if you drink a bunch of water or, or fluids that don't have enough sodium in in them, then your body processes that fluid and gets rid of it. So it's in your bladder instead of in your bloodstream. Well, sodium helps you uh, hold on to that fluid inside your body so that it's um, used uh, for hydration. So that's the importance of sodium. And when you take in excessive fluids that don't contain enough sodium, or if you don't replace the sodium that you lose through sweating or other means, that's when you get into trouble with this kind of thing. So. Um, Again, if you're in uh, long, low-intensity training or racing, it puts you at risk because you, um, you may not think to replace your sodium because it's low intensity. It's in uh, conditions where your sweat rate is low um, because you might be taking in a bunch of fluids but not sweating it out. So you're, you're, um, you know, if you're drinking water, particularly in those conditions, you are uh, diluting your, your, uh, your bloodstream. And then um, when you're using replacement fluids that don't contain sodium replacement uh, with, with a high sweat rate activity. So those are a couple dangers that we have to keep an eye on, dehydration, hyponatremia, and um, why it's important to pay attention to this stuff. So really uh, what we're talking about is uh, electrolyte balance. Sodium's the main one. We got a couple others, potassium chloride. And your body kind of functions um, in, in a balance. So uh, if you, um, it basically wants to balance those levels of sodium uh, in different areas. So if you have your bloodstream and your bloodstream has a certain level of fluids and sodium, and then you have your cells where all that activity is occurring, if there is not a balance there, and the fluid shifts from one place to the other. And what we'd like to do is shift the fluids into the cells where all that activity is occurring. If you don't balance it just right, then potentially you are shifting either precious electrolytes from your cells to your bloodstream or potentially fluid from your cells to the bloodstream. So that's why uh, it's really important to balance these things. So a little bit about, um, you know, just like anything else, this is a unique thing to everybody. Nobody has the exact same sweat rate or, or hydration needs. So it's a really important thing for you to um, measure this for yourself and get a, a, an idea of where you are. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about how to measure what's called a sweat rate. You've probably heard of it. It's a pretty simple uh, task to do. But a lot of people make the mistake of, of measuring their sweat rate in one condition and then um, 
and then use that as their basis for always hiring. Um, and, and the downside of that is, you know, there's lots of different conditions that if it's if you measured it in a non-human environment and then you go run in a human environment, your sweat, sweat rate is going to be different. So we'll talk a little bit about some of those tips. But measuring your sweat rate is a pretty simple task. And so let's talk through that a little bit. So the first thing you're going to want to do is before your run, uh, you're going to weigh yourself without anything on. And the importance of that is uh, if you weigh yourself with clothes on and then you go for a run, you're going to sweat into those clothes. And so the only way to measure, to, to get that balance, is if you start with nothing on. So you're going to weigh yourself with nothing on, and let's just say your, um, your weight's 150. I'm going to use just a sort of standard in the middle of the red weight. So your weight is 150 before you do anything. And then you're going to go exercise, right? So, well, put your clothes back on, obviously. I, I probably should say that. I don't want to see you running around without clothes on, Travis. Well, my, I mean, if we're vacationing at a nude resort, I may. I mean, <laughs> we'll save that for another podcast. Go on. <laughs> you went there. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't going to, but um, all right, continue. Too late now. Yeah, I'll just, just keep going. I can maybe edit this, but go ahead. <laughs> So then you're going to go exercise, and, um, and if you want to like make it real easy for yourself, exercise for an hour uh, just to get your sort of hourly sweat rate. But if you're not going to race for an hour, there's ways to compensate that later. So you're going to exercise, and during that exercise, um, take in fluids just like you normally would. Um, you know, you could do it by uh, kind of what we talked about in the past, sort of the rule of averages where you take in what you think you need. You could do it even better by you know, just quenching your thirst as you run. But whatever you do, um, and I'll talk about this tip in a minute, but uh, make sure you know exactly how much water or uh, electrolyte drink or whatever you're taking in or or have pre-measured so that you know exactly how much you've drank throughout that. So you're going to exercise and you're going to hydrate during exercise as normal. At the end of your activity, then you're going to go back to the scale. you're not going to want to use the restroom or anything. You're just going to, you've just cooled down. You're back in the in the house or wherever you weigh yourself. And again, you're going to take your clothes off again, um, nothing on, and weigh yourself again. And so what that's going to tell us is how much fluid, um, what, what the difference is between your starting and your ending. Not necessarily how much fluid you've lost yet because, you know, if you've taken in enough fluid or even too much fluid, um, you might not, it might not look you've lo- like you've lost any. So let's say you started and you were 150 and at the very end, let's say you weigh 149. So you've lost one pound of fluid or I'm sorry, you've lost one pound in that between those two. Um, if you multiply that and, and I apologize for listeners who might be, um, uh, using the metric system. I, I thought about this too late and I, I've only did it in pounds. So it's not hard to convert that divide everything by 2.2. But um, you lost one pound between those two. We're going to multiply that by 16 because there's 16 ounces in a pound. Um, and that gives you about 16 ounces of, of weight loss. So that's just strictly the weight, that the difference between those two weights. Then you're going to factor in how much you drank. So the importance of, you know, let's say you, you go out and you've got 24 ounces of fluid and you know you have exactly 24 ounces of fluid. Um, then when you're done, you can measure to see how much is left and then understand exactly how much you consume. So let's say for this you um, consumed 12 ounces. So you know you lost the 16 ounces in weight. 
you consumed 12 ounces in fluid, that would be 28 ounces of um, 28 ounces in that uh, period of time that you actually uh, your hydration, your sweat loss. So if you had run exactly one hour, you could say for that session you you used 28 ounces uh, in the hour. So 28 ounces per hour is your sweat rate. If you didn't race for an hour, let's say you raced, or sorry, you exercised for 30 minutes, then you'd want to divide that, um, or basically uh, multiply that by 0.5, right? So, uh, no, I, t I take that back. You divide it by 0.5 because it's going to double, because uh, it, it would be basically half the hour. So, um, just kind of stumbling on my words here. You take your initial weight minus your final weight, plus the the uh, fluid you've consumed. And divide that by um, the time uh, based on an hour. So 60 minutes equals 1 divided by 1. Thirds would be divided by 0.5. Um, and then let's, let's say it's an hour and a half session, you divide by 1.5. Did that make sense, Travis? Anything I could say better with that? No, it makes sense. This maybe I can hold this, but I'm, I'm wondering. So once we calculate sweat rate... Um, and, and I think I should hold this, but I'm wondering about the environmental factors because yep. an 80 degree day with 100% humidity is essentially different than, um, you know, a 90 degree day with zero humidity. But um, absolutely, what what you're proposing here with this rate is just kind of an estimate of um, how your individual body um, kind of kind of sweats, right? Yeah, so, you know, you're, you're a good segue to the tips here. So um, that's strictly the calculation, but that's a calculation for that day and that moment of time. And it's really important as you – so, again, don't just do it one time and say that's my sweat rate no. because it could be different conditions. It's really important to measure your sweat rate. I mean, heck, you could do it every time if, if the, you know, you had your scale ready and all that stuff. Um, but when you do write down your sweat rate, write down the, the various things that – uh, occurred during that exercise session. So what was the temperature? What was the humidity? What were the conditions? You know, was it sunny? Was it cloudy? Was it um, raining? Was it snowing? You know, write down all those things. And, and it's particularly important because when you go to race on race day, typically you'll know about what it's going to be ahead of time in a night or two. So you can see it's, you know, 70 degrees with, uh, you know, 50% humidity and sunny, and hopefully you've had a sweat rate measurement, something similar to those conditions, so you can get an idea of how you want to hydrate during the race or other training sessions. So don't think of this as a one-time deal. Think of this as understanding your sweat rate for lots of different conditions, um, so you can kind of use that later. Um, so a couple tips, a couple more tips. Um, once you take that initial weight, um, don't drink anything or eat anything that's not um, part of what you pre-measured. So, you know, if you've got a gel packet or something you're going to take in or, or, you know, 24 ounces of fluid you're going to take with you, if you drink from one of those, that's fine because you're going to measure that later. But don't, you know, just take in some extra fluids right before you go and, and not, you know, you just want to make sure you track everything that you take in after that initial weight. Um, and like I said, pre-measure your pre-workout drinks. You know exactly how much you've got measured out. Uh, that'll help later for determining how many uh, ounces you've taken in. 
Uh, wait to use the bathroom. That's a hard one. Sometimes you, you can't control that. But, you know, everything everything that you let go, if you go to urinate, that's that's weight. I mean, it can add up significantly. can throw off your sweat rate if you use the bathroom before you um, weigh yourself later. So, you know, if you have to go, you have to go and try to estimate the best you can, but try to avoid that if you can. Um, so I, I mentioned repeat for different conditions, record all those for future use. And then um, for you triathletes out there, if there's any listening, make sure you do it for all sports because your sweat rates will be different for each sport. Um, swimming might be one of the harder ones to measure, but it's still possible to get an estimate. Uh, but cycling versus running, is it can be pretty significantly different. So um, maybe do those all separately and uh, get an idea of what those are for you. Any questions about sweat rate? No, um, I, that helped. I, w- I was just kind of stumped a little bit on... Um, I should have known that you don't take one measurement and then you make that assumption, but that makes sense when you started to describe it. Ideally, you you take samples um, in as many different conditions and you keep your log um, so you can essentially, if you do that enough, you can anticipate what your rate would be on essentially any given day. So that that Mm -hmm. made sense to me when you described it that way. Yeah, if you're an Excel geek like I am, you could actually plot it on a chart uh, see what your sweat rate is for various humidities and temperatures and things like that. And that way you can always have something in front of you when you're going out for a training run or whatever. Um, you can get an idea of, of what you should carry with you. And again, listen to your body just because your sweat rate in those conditions last time um, was one thing. You know, it could be that your your pre-hydration status was different than it is now. So there's so many factors. These things aren't um, ironclad in in terms of you know, always accurate, but they're pretty good estimates so that you know how much to take with you, how much you should be considering taking in. Um, always with the rule of thumb that you need to listen to your body and, and don't drink when you're you don't think you need it. You know. Yeah, gosh, I can see your Excel workbook now. Like there's a, <laughs> there's there's the x axis and the y axis, and it's got oh, yeah. temperatures over time. And multiple variables in there. Yeah, I, I can see you. Don't 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 get any ideas with this one. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah. All right. So um, let's talk a, a, a little bit about um, ways you can keep yourself hydrated for a, either a training run or a race. Um, and I'm not going to give you like very specifics because really your specifics should be based on your your own sweat rate um, and your own needs. But just some some t- simple tips like. Uh, Maybe one of the more important things is starting hydrated. The last thing you want to do is, is you know, you're at work, and let's say you get home at 5 o'clock or 5.30, and you're going to go for a run. And let's say you've sat at your desk, stared in front of the computer, and completely forgot to, to drink anything. You had a few cups of coffee, but that's it. And you think to yourself on the drive home, oh, you know, I need to really hydrate for, for my run in 30 minutes. So you stop at the gas station, you get a guzzler of, you know, a huge bottle of water, and you're guzzling that down on the way home. Well, you know, that that poses some risk, lots of things. I mean, you don't want to take in too much, and, um, you know, water can be toxic if you drink too much too fast. Uh, and you really can't catch up that, that hydration status. It's, it's really important to, you know, make that, that fluid available to you, um, for hours 
uh, prior. You, you can start hydrating even three to four hours prior um, so that you make sure and start hydrated versus trying to catch up later because, you know, once you get to that point, it's, it's a little bit late in the game. Um, and, a, and a good indicator, we've talked about this in the past, um, that you're pretty well hydrated is a, uh, a pale yellow urine. Um, and so that's, that's a good way to, to know that you're pretty well hydrated. So like this weekend, my like super dark, almost brown urine was, is not good. Yeah, that's probably not good. That's probably a, a sign that you don't have enough, um, fluid in you. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. We made the mistake of, it was a, not a super long run, but, um, we did an out and back and my training partner said, you know, we'll be good. Uh, we're getting an early start. We don't need any water, but, um, the humidity spiked on us in a hurry. And mm -hmm. it was funny because later that afternoon, um, he lives in our neighborhood here and he came over and he's like, man, I just cannot get, um, rehydrated. <laughs> and we, we share the same kind of story and, um, we kind of laugh about it now, but, um, you know, if you're out there for over, you know, two hours, you could really get yourself in trouble if you don't have planned water stops. And that was, you know, that was us just kind of being, I think, naive that, oh, it's only 70 minutes, we'll be okay. Um, mm -hmm. We didn't find ourselves in trouble, but you don't want to get in the habit of doing that either. Yeah, I've heard people say, you know, you know, I understand why hydration is important, et cetera. But, you know, I know my body and I don't, I don't need to be any more hydrated than I am. And they don't drink anything and they've got the, the dark urine. I think it's one of those things where, you know, especially younger people, but most people can get away with it, you know, time and time again. It's the time that you're not going to get away with it. You need to be thinking about uh, the stress that you're putting on your body by not being hydrated the fact that you're not going to get your your best performance or best training session, um, you know, hydration, man, it, it can make a, a night or day difference in the results of your, either your race or your training day. So um, just because you can do it, that doesn't mean you should do it. And I'm sure you guys didn't do it purposefully, but um, it's just something to pay attention to if, if you've got the ability to do that. Yeah. Okay, so another thing... Um, and this may sound strange in, in a list of, new, I'm sorry, hydration tips is um, getting a meal in. And so one, what that's going to do prior to a training run or a race is um, a couple things. A pre-training meal actually does have some fluid in it. I mean, all food has some fluid in it, some less than others, but that's a source for your body to get some fluid albeit not a lot unless it's something like a you know orange or something. But the other thing that does, a couple other things it does, is it gives you a source of carbohydrate. And again, um, you know, having a, a level of carbohydrate when you go to work out or race is important to get the best, you know, result out of that session. The other thing it can do is give you a little more sodium. And so we talked about sodium and its importance um, in making sure that when you do take in the fluid that your body's holding on to it instead of just getting rid of it. So from a hydration perspective, sodium's important. And I'll put that, I'll put this sort of um, statement out there that, you know, if, if you've got dietary restrictions or whatever, always check with your doctor first. But typically speaking, um, when you're going to go on um, uh, days before a race or if you're, you're, 
days before um, or, or day of your training session, it's usually okay to increase your sodium intake a little bit. You know, salt your food a little bit to taste uh, and don't restrict your sodium uh, on those days as well because it's important, particularly on hot and humid days, to have that sodium so that your body wants to hold on to the fluid and use it versus, you know, force it to your bladder and lose it. So, uh, so getting a meal in provides all those benefits as well. And then, of course, um, quench your thirst while you're running. Um, can't un- can't overstate that enough. But um, but listen to your body and don't just drink for the sake of drinking. You know, you, you talk about those sort of standards of, you know, you should be drinking X amount of flu- of ounces per hour or per 15 minutes or whatever. Those are just guidelines, and it's important for people to understand that that isn't necessarily even if that's um, catered to you that doesn't necessarily mean you need to drink that Uh, it's really important for you to pay attention to what your body needs and drink when um, your body needs the fluid not just drinking for the sake of drinking and then um, the importance of sports drinks so you know there's a couple things about sports drinks I'm kind of a on the fence here and there, but th- there's a lot of good things about sports drinks, and that's mainly the fact that it contains um, a couple things. It contains carbohydrates, so fuel source. It can- contains the sodium, which we've talked about retaining fluid, and then it contains water, which is what actually hydrates us. So um, th- the thing about it is, you got to fight. You got to find the right drink for you, because um, you know everybody has different needs and. The, the higher the carbohydrates, um, the the less hydration it will provide for you, um, but it'll it also provide more fuel. So depending on what kind of run you need, um, some drinks might be better for that for that uh, status. So um, there's a lot of a lot of things that go into this. I was reading a study uh, they did about um, sports drinks and the effectiveness of of sports drinks. Um, in this particular study, they had six cyclists, and they're not runners, but it's the same concept, um, where they went 90 minutes in hot conditions, and um, they didn't have them drink specific amounts. They just sort of did ad lib, so they let them drink as they needed. They had um, three different, those same six cyclists, oh, that's hard to say fast, um, did the same session three different times, uh, one time with just water, one time with what's called an isotonic solution, which is basically balanced uh, with your bloodstream, kind of the same, um, I guess, uh, osmotic concentration as your blood. And then um, a hypotonic solution, which is um, something that contains uh, a less a lesser osmotic concentration. The importance for that is basically the, uh, the fluid travels uh, to the place where it has... Um, a higher concentration. So if you have a hypotonic solution, the fluid is going to want to move towards your cells, for example. So they had those three different scenarios, and the findings of that was a couple couple of cool things here. The subjects um, naturally drank significantly more isotonic and hypotonic uh, fluids than just the water. So they had a, a desire to drink it more. It was more natural for them to drink it. Mm-hmm. Um, their body mass decreased significantly less with the hypotonic, but not the isotonic. So what that means is 
when they were drinking something like a Gatorade, or uh, I'm not going to, you know, advertise a specific product, but something that um, had a lower osmotic concentration than the bloodstream, the water was forced into the cells in the body versus losing it. And so they didn't lose as much weight or as much fluid loss um, when they when they use that versus the other two. Huh. And then, of course, you know, the glucose level is significantly higher with um, those two solutions over water. That's kind of a given and, uh, you know, provide for energy source. So basically the overall finding was the athletes drink more naturally and um, there it, it um, the hypotonic solution or that electrolyte drink offset the fluid loss significantly. So that's why when we talk about um, conditions such as we're coming into with late, well, it doesn't feel like late spring, but summer conditions where it's hot and humid and sunny, um, why sports drink may be a, a better option than water so that you um, keep hydrated and, and um, you know, don't put yourself at risk. Any uh, thoughts on that, Trev? No, that's very scientific of you, Dan. I mean, I'm not surprised you did a lot of research on that, but um, it, it does make you think um, about, you know, planning your run and making sure that we consider hydration. And, um, you know, I haven't, I probably haven't done a good enough job just thinking about my recent runs of considering sports drinks. Um, but, you know, now that it's summertime here, um, it's time to have um, a fully stocked fridge of your favorite sports beverage. Yeah, and I'd say from my experience, um, you know, try different ones because there's different, you know, each of them have different ratios of that carbohydrate or sodium. Um, and again, the, the, the higher carbohydrate ones um, compromise that hydration benefit. A little bit, whereas um, a lower one will provide more hydration to you. But um, what I find is some of them, and I won't mention names, um, give me heartburn pretty bad. And so I wouldn't drink sports drinks for a long time because I only had tried that individual brand. And I'd go out on a run and I'd be drinking it and had this awful um, gastric uh, distress where I had, you know, I don't know how to describe it, but just heartburn, and it, it was it threw off my run, and so I stopped doing that, and I did water, but just trying different ones, and now there's just you know probably hundreds of varieties of, of brands and flavors, etc. Um, I, I found a couple that didn't cause any issue with me, and and you know so it's about uh, trying different things and making sure you find one that works best for you. Yeah, and some of them come in powders too. Um, mm -hmm. You know, listen, I would buy the big powder um, kind of containers, and we found this, we, we had similar experiences that some of them are really concentrated and, mm -hmm. um, you know, give you some GI issues, but if you find something you like in a powder, um, you can really play around with different formulas as far as, you know, one teaspoon per, you know, 12 ounce, you know, you can mm -hmm. really find something that meshes well with your body that's not over you know, powering, but also gives you some of the benefits that you just covered. So that's an option as kind of a plan B. If you can't find something off the shelf that, you know, sits with you really well, maybe consider a powder and, um, you know, test it for a few long runs to see, uh, you know, what formula is going to work best for your body and give you the benefits you need when you're out there for a while. Exactly. Um, 
So uh, final on the list, last but not least, um, you know, you've hopefully you've planned well your pre, you, you got your pre-hydration in, you've uh, measured everything else so you knew how much to drink and, and you got that done. Um, once you're done, you want to make sure you replace any fluids that you've lost. So, you know, especially after those days you did a, your sweat rate, you know exactly how much you lost. Uh, make sure that you try to replace those fluids within the first one or two hours so that you can, you know, return to a hydrated status as quickly as possible. Um, and then, uh, you know, again, you can use a, a, um, a replacement drink that contains electrolytes and carbohydrates because that will help recover, um, replenish, you know, the hydration, the electrolytes in your cells and get all the waste out that you just accumulated. So important to replenish the fluids as, as, uh, as soon as you can. Gotcha. gotcha. So those are, those are all the tips I have on hydration. Any, uh, anything I missed? No, that's a good summary. Um, and it's timely too, as we start rolling into the summer, um, training season, it seems like it's already here. Um, like we talked about earlier, it went from, you know, um, extremely cold to extremely hot and, um, you know, I think the details you went over, Dan, can help people stay out of trouble um, as they start prepping for their summer training runs. Uh, awesome. So we're, we're right at 32 minutes, um, 33 minutes. I, th- I think, you know, we can maybe talk about this more in episode 31, but I am going to give a shout out to this because it's an article that's going around on Facebook. And for those of us that are diehard runners, we're going to be like, Duh, I thought everyone knew about this, but I'm going to post it on our RunFit365 Facebook page. So if you haven't been to our Facebook page, check us out, log into Facebook, search for RunFit365, you'll find us, like our page. But I'm going to post this article uh, because I've been amazed today by how many people have been sharing this article, um, but it's really fundamental. It's, it's how to tie your running shoes. And most people, um, even, even my uncle, who's been running for years, who essentially taught me how to run, I hope he listens to this podcast because I'm going to call <laughs> him out, but there's two eye holes right um, at the top of your shoe. And most people, it sounds like, are just essentially using one of those holes um, you know, to make the tie, but there's essentially t- another way that's preferred that you kind of do a loop back and a loop in. I'm not going to be able to describe this. You're going to have to read the article and maybe Google this. Um, and you essentially kind of thread your shoestrings through these loops that that eye hole makes. And it gives you some more support and um, just kind of creates that uh, little extra snug around your egg hole for support when you're running. And I've just been surprised today by how many people are, are resharing that article. So we're going to put it on our Facebook page. If you haven't checked it out, um, check it out and at least say, yeah, I already knew that. <laughs> but just in case, it'll be out there on our Facebook page. I, you know what I liked about that? I learned that years ago when I was buying a pair of running shoes from a specialty running store. I didn't know that before. I, I bought and they they showed me that, but it takes the pressure. You know, if you you tie your shoes, basically the, all the pressures on that last hole that you've you've loose or laced it through. When you do it this way, it kind of balances the the pressure between those two holes, and it, it balances things out. So when I tie my shoes, 
Um, without that method, there's too much tightness around my ankle right there. Whereas if I do that method, it's it's nice and, and balanced throughout there. So uh, I, I think it's just a good way to go. And if you if you don't if you lace your shoes like you've laced your shoes for years, you don't know anything special. Definitely check that out. Yeah, perfect. So uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Dan. I was just going to mention, um, I think we talked about uh, making a call out to our friend Nick in the UK, yeah. who uh, if, if you happen to be traveling to the UK in, in, in nine weeks, or I think it's nine weeks from this past weekend, um, or <laughs> I don't know the geography of the UK very well, um, we've got a, a link to his 10K race in North Yorkshire, I think that's how you pronounce that, uh, in the UK. Um, so click on that. It goes to his race page, but it's the Bentham Beatles Bash 10K race, and uh, we partnered with him. He's he's been a, a fan of the show, and we've had several emails with him. And I think it's his wife, or maybe him, one of the two, um, are the race director or, or partial race directors for this 10K race. And uh, he mentioned, you know, if if you want to partner with us, we'd love to partner with you. But you don't happen to have any 10K races. So he was right, and we've always intended to do that. So um, <laughs> he emailed me last week and said, hey, it's, it's nine weeks out to the race. And I thought, oh, man, I really need to get on those 10Ks. So I spent, I did basically an all-nighter, uh, created some um, eight-week 10K plans. And my plan is to do you know, some 12 weeks, some six, maybe some four-week plans later down the road but so we've got some eight uh, eight week 10k plans an advanced intermediate basic and beginner um and and go check those out even if if you're not going to run his race but um you know if you happen to be in the uk and and you're near there or want to make a trip i definitely check him out uh, otherwise check out the 10k plans if you need one of those as well yeah, and if you want to check out the race, if you go to runfit365.com, if you go to resources and the race partners, that's where the link Dan was talking about. And to find the plans, same, you know, same website, um, we added a link for the 5K and 10K plans there. So, um, Dan, again, um, I've checked out the plans. They're extremely high quality, and I know you pulled it on all-nighter, but... Um, I, I can assure you that the quality's still there. <laughs> it's very, very sound. I should say I finalized them in the all nighter. I didn't start them in the all nighter. Yeah. I never, I never do it that quickly. So. Yeah, you don't want to binge um, plan development. Absolutely for sure. not. That's for sure. <laughs> um, what are we missing on episode thirty? You covered kind of the transition from winter to summer with hydration and. Um, you know, sweat rates and things we should consider there. Um, 10K plans are out there. Um, I think that might have been the agenda for episode 30. I think that probably is it. I will say, though, um, after the race series that we did, it was so easy to come up with the content because we planned it all out. Um, now we're back to the, so Travis, what do you think we should talk about this week? Yeah. So if you have any uh, thoughts on good content that you want to hear please let us know that's really helpful when you do that um and we'd be lo we'd love to try and pull something together to talk about yeah and trust me if, if it's up to me you guys are going to be in trouble so please send those emails <laughs> to support at runfit 365 um follow us on twitter connect with us on facebook um we we love hearing your stories we love answering your questions 
Um, that's essentially why we do this. And again, the, the, our whole mission at RunFit365 is um, to improve every runner that crosses our path. So um, we hope you appreciate these podcasts and we, we do these things uh, for you. So let us know what we can cover. Um, and Dan, as always, thanks for preparing uh, so well for these. Um, I, I'm still amazed at the, the rigor and research you put into this stuff. So um, on that note, do you want to wrap us up? Let's do it. Um, have a great week. Happy training. <laughs>